0: Welcome to Centerpoint
1: Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message.
2: So excited to be with you guys this morning. As you can tell, it's a little bit different of a Sunday. It's our student. Takeover, can we make some noise for our students this morning? So everybody from our greeters to our worship team uh, to Oscar, he's got a career in public communication ahead of him. That's amazing, okay. Or, com- or comedy, something like that, right? But uh, even our students are going to be finishing off our Legends series this morning. And so part eight of our Legends series, uh, we've got amazing students. We-, we believe at CPU that there's no junior Holy Spirit, Amen. They don't get a mini me Holy Spirit. They don't get a tinier Holy Spirit. They get the Holy Spirit that lives inside of them. And so they're equipped, they're equipped and they've been working hard. And so I just ask sometimes it's scary if you don't like public communication, you know uh, to get up here and to share is scary, right? So I just ask that you give them maybe a come on, right? Something like that, a hallelujah, that you be with them and that uh, you celebrate them as all the students come up to speak this morning. Amen, you with us? Awesome. So. Up first, to start us off, um, he is probably one of the funniest kids I've ever met in my life. But not only is he funny, he is a passionate worshiper of Jesus and um, has, I think, been a huge part of stirring up our worship culture at CP Youth. And he's going to be giving the first part of the message. It's John Goodman.
0: What's up, guys? What's up, guys? How we doing? I know we just screamed, but how we doing, yeah? Okay, good. Okay, so before I get started, I have to share something with you. I've I've come into a fork in the road with my faith, and it has to do with my hair, okay? I don't know if I should cut it or keep it long, so I'm gonna take a poll, okay? So the first, I'm gonna need you guys to raise your hand. The first option is keep my hair long, but just trim it, because it definitely needs a trim, or cut it short, okay? Oh, wait, are we to go? Yeah, I'm sorry, okay. If you think I should keep my hair long and trim it, raise your hand. Okay, okay, if you think I should cut it short, raise your hand. Boo! We're keeping it long! Yeah! Let's go! Okay, anyway, so, if you're new here, we're in a series called Legends, um, and if you're not new here, then you know we're in a series called Legends. Um, and today I have the privilege to teach um, and preach to you guys about one of these legends, and his name is David, all right? So I'm going to give a little backstory about who David was, um, just to kind of set everything up. So in David's youth, he was a shepherd boy, um, and in his prime, he was this great warrior and a king. Um, David is a, gr- a man of great faith, mercy, obedience, and grace. We, threw that, we see this throughout his whole life from when he was um, on the run from Saul and he spared his life more than once. Um, and in his great battles and his great victories through the Lord. But even amidst his display of great faithfulness, um, he finally and eventually gave in to the um, fleshly desires of sin. Um, the same fleshly desires that we all struggle with in this room. Um, for David and for most of us, a big one of that is lust. Others might be addiction, whether that's alcoholism, um, addiction to nicotine, pornography, um, or whether it's anxiety, um, depression. Two big ones that I know we all struggle with in this room um, is greed and gluttony. And personally, a big one for me is faith, um, a really hard struggle with faith and um, believing that God is good. But thanks to David, um, he shows us how God has the power and how God has already defeated the power of sin. And he does this through the story, famous story of David and Goliath. So if you brought your Bible with you or you have your phone Bibles, please turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17, 32. I'm going to do the same. Hopefully I can get there. Okay, sorry. Okay, well, okay, this is not working very well. Okay, I got it. So since we're we're jumping halfway into the scripture, I'm going to kind of paraphrase what's happened um, up until this point. So... David's brothers, who were um, the Israelites, are at war with the Philistines, okay? So, both armies are positioned on adjacent hills with a valley um, in between them. So, David, uh, for 40 days and 40 nights, an absolute monster named Goliath rises from the ranks of Gath and comes before um, the Israelites, the Bible says, every morning and uh, every evening, and he comes and he taunts um, the Israelites. So, Goliath, just to put in perspective of how much a monster was, uh, um, how much of a monster Goliath was, according to the Masoretic texts, which are the texts that we're reading, Goliath was around nine foot six inches. He carried nine feet, nine foot, nine feet six inches, and he carried a spear and a sword. So, since Goliath was taller than the average man's spear, his spear was estimated to be anywhere between um, ten to fourteen feet. Um, he, went, he went into battle with um, a helmet, a coat of mail, and shin guards. And some scholars believe that Goliath, um, with his mask and everything, all of his gear, he could have weighed more than 700 pounds. So this guy was absolute monster. And this is where David comes in. So his dad, bear with me, I know it's long. I just got to, you know. So David, his dad, Jesse, um, orders David to deliver roasted grain, cheese, and bread to the um, Israelites and to his brothers and to his captain. So David gives his flock to, the, um, his, to a fellow shepherd, and he goes out to give the gift to his brothers and his captain. Upon his arrival, he sees that they have left to go out to war. So he drops his gift at the camp, and he goes out to greet his brothers. Um, and, uh, and upon his arrival um, in the ranks, this is where he meets Goliath. He sees him taunting. Um, he sees him taunting the Israelites so he starts asking questions like, why is this man defined the armies of the living God, and what does a man gain um, for killing him? So these questions were reported to Saul, and this is where we're going to pick up on verse 32. Sorry, I know that was a lot. Okay. We're going to do 32 through 37. Or wait, no, 32 through 33, sorry. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since you. So I want to focus on the uh, you're only a boy part of the scripture. I'm sure we all have these moments, and I have one funny one that I personally want to share. And I remember it clears day. It was when I was younger. I I think I may have been, like, late elementary school or early middle school. It was around Halloween time, and I had this favorite um, Halloween decoration. And as you went by it, it would, like, vibrate rapidly and make this, like, old man noise. And it was, like, meant to jump scare you. And it was, I love getting scared by it. I don't know why, but I just love getting scared by this thing. And so I come home from school one day, and it's not turned on and i'm like okay so i go i go inside and i tell my dad he's in the living room i'm like dad like the decorations broken and he was like, I know, son, I put it out there and, and it's broken. And I was like, well, then go fix it, dog. And he was like, he was like I tried to, but it's broken. And I'm like, all right, fool, I'm going to go fix it. And he goes, he goes, if I can't do it, you can't do it. I'm like, all right, bet, sucker. So I go outside, I, I square up with this thing, and I just give it, two, I give it two right hammer fists to the face. And the thing jump scares me, okay? And it turns right on. And I know, this, I know this is a silly story, but the deeper meaning embedded in it is to not disqualify yourself because of someone else's perspective of your gifts and abilities. David, uh oh, that's nice of you guys, thank you for sharing. David understood God's authority in his life. He had no doubt that he would lose to Goliath, even though Saul doubted him for only being a boy and for, quite frankly, being physically incapable of winning this battle. David had confidence that the Lord would be victorious, and he shows us exactly what this confidence is rooted in in these next few verses. So we're going to pick up on verse 34. Or do 34 through 37. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. So I think this is the most important part of the scripture that I'm covering um, because it shows us the importance of remembering the Lord's past blessings, and or Lord's past victories, sorry. And that's going to be my overarching main point, remember the Lord's past victories. And I think it's so important that I'm going to make us all say it together on the count of three. So we're going to go like this, remember the Lord's past victories. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Remember the Lord's past victories. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Um. The main reason I bother you guys and, and make you say this with me um, is because it shows uh, that David's confidence in actually beating Goliath comes from remembering the Lord's past victories. And we see this when he says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Personally, like I shared, a big struggle um, for me is faith. I'm constantly angry at God um, because if you're good, why would you do X and Y? Um, and I, believe, I truly believe that the main reason that I waver in my faith constantly is because um, I forget to... Um, include this principle in my everyday life it's very humbling um, knowing that I'm missing a crucial part um, in overcoming doubt with the Lord Um, it shows that even when I feel like God isn't good I know that he's been good in the past so that will shape how I view him in the present and the future because he's good and he never changes thank you guys oh my gosh all this cheering it makes me feel so good uh, so from a personal standpoint, um, I truly just want to press on this main point. Um, please do not do what I do um, because it's, it's very prideful and I've been stuck in this rabbit hole for like a year and a half. Um, and I think it's very, I think it's very, um, I really just want to push the point of remembering the Lord's past victories. Um, I think it will help out with faith a lot. Um, if you don't take away anything I, I say in this whole thing, please just remember to remember the Lord's past victories. Okay, so I'm going to read the last two uh, of my last two verses. 38 through 40. Um, then, Saul gave, then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Then, armed with only a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight this Philistine. Okay. So this is where I'm going to end. So David is going into um, the battle with Goliath with nothing but a sling, a staff in the confidence of God. And Jordan's going to pick up on verse 41 and, and read for you guys the rest of the story. But thank you guys for having me. Uh, thank you for this amazing opportunity. Uh, I'm very blessed to speak to you guys today. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Come on. Can we give it up for John one more time? So good so good remember the Lord's past victories so good so good so up next uh, we have another amazing student coming up to speak uh, she is one of the most energetic people I've ever met it was like 7 a.m and she's skipping around the sanctuary already she's incredible uh, give it up for Jordan Wilkie everybody
1: good morning Center point family my name is Jordan and I recently graduated from CPU this past May. Um, And I'm going to be honest, when Aaron texted me, um, he was like, do you want to speak? And I was like, yeah. And we got to the meeting and it it said legends on it. And I was like, I thought this was for the youth. And he was like, well, it's too late now. So now we're here. (laughs) Um, I'm going to pick up right where John left off um, in 1 Samuel 17, uh, 41. But before we get into it, I'd like to take a moment to pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for this opportunity that you have given me. And let me speak your word unto your people, God. Let, let your words just cut through the crowd. <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, so let me set the scene real quick. So at this point in the story, Goliath has kind of noticed David, right? Uh, and he's kind of a, a little offended. Right? Because he's seeing this this scrawny little boy come up and kind of challenge him. And he, in verse 41, it says, Goliath walked out towards David um, with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. You know, it's not really looking too good on, like, paper at this point when it comes to David versus Goliath. But then David replies with this. He says... Um, You come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, right? Jeez, David. (laughs) He kind of popped out right there. Um, So, and oftentimes uh, when we're in these situations, we kind of compare God to our giants, or even to the enemy at this point, right? So, but that's not the. <laughs> um, God is so much greater than our enemies. They're not on an equal playing field. He is so much greater and so much more powerful than any giant you will ever face, right? In Samuel 48, we get the battle scene. <laughs> As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. And then, and then David takes, his, takes Goliath's sword and cuts his head off with his own sword. Isn't that kind of crazy? Um, but David didn't do that with his own strength. No, he had five stones, and he it only took him one to defeat Goliath. And like I said, on paper it doesn't look too good, but with the power of God, on your like like he's got his back, right? With the power of God, he was able to defeat Goliath. Um, now he says David points out that Goliath is coming at him with a sword, spear, and javelin. The enemy can come at you with anything because he steals, kills, and destroys, right? So he can come at you with any spirit. Of depression, any spirit of anxiety, like John said, but God will have your back, right? He already declared the victory over your life. Just like um, in verse 46, David says, Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you. Uh, You may only have some rocks. But God already declared the victory, it says in John four. 4 but God, uh, but no, no. <laughs> but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Isn't that so good, church? Um, David had five stones, right? Well, we're going to share with you five stones uh, that you can use in your own life. Um, to, to fight your own giants, right? The number one is this, the Word of God. <laughs> um, so a little bit about me. I, I grew up in the church, right? Um, I, I've, like, I've spent a lot of time in the church and um, hearing stories about the about the Bible, but I never actually read the Bible for myself until this year, until the tail end of my senior year, I started reading the Bible. But before that, I experienced a lot of doubt and frustration because a lot of the people around me were having encounters with God and hearing the voice of God. And I was like, why? What? And I was in the waiting. And I was frustrated. But what I didn't realize is that even though I couldn't hear the word of God, it was already written down for me in this book right here. If you can't hear the voice of God, read it. It is right there. <laughs> um, I lost my spot. <laughs> um, you don't have to wait to experience the voice of God. Now, in Sunday school, you know how they teach you the armor of God, right? You got the helmet of no, nope, the helmet of salvation, shield of faith and the belt of truth, etc. But then they teach you the weapon. They teach you the sword of the spirit, right? The sword of the spirit is literally the word of God. Hebrews 12:412 12, says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Right? Isn't that good? (laughs) Um, If that's our sword, if the word of God is our weapon, we have to get into it. Right? The Bible can be overwhelming. It can be... Let's be real, kind of a little boring sometimes, and it can be confusing, but as you continue to read it, as you continue to get into the word, the pieces kind of come together, right? The pieces come together and it becomes life-giving. It becomes life-giving and and it becomes interesting because then you connect the the dots a little bit and you'll be like, oh my God, in the Old Testament it said this, and then it was a prophecy for what happened in the New Testament. It's so cool. The Bible is so good. When you get into the word, the word will get into you. You don't have to. <clears throat> you don't have to know the Bible. Or did I say that? Yeah. You don't have to know the Bible to read it. What I mean by this is, you don't have to be an academic scholar to read the Bible. You don't have to read front to back in order to understand the Bible or to even understand your relationship with God. Um, the Holy Spirit can provide wisdom for you when you're reading. Ephesians 1.17 says, Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Mm. You can start anywhere, right? You don't have to sit down you don't, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to sit down with your Bible for four hours a day in the morning before you start your day. Um, it Just re- reading like 12, 20 chapters, you know what I mean? Um, it just starts with one verse. You know, um, it's called Bible snacking, right? One verse here, one verse there. Um, I like to start with a verse of the day, you know, and that really, and then I, and I sit and I meditate on that word, right? Um. I also like to play Bible roulette, you know, open to a random page, pick a verse, you know, read it, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, My second stone is this, it's identity, knowing your identity, right? Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago right isn't that so good oftentimes some giants that we fight is not feeling good enough is not feeling purposeful you know what i mean not feeling worthy right but god says something different he says you are loved you are chosen you are holy you are set apart without fault a child of god (laughs) royalty clean and pure right Remember that when you're fighting your own giant. Knowing who you are won't get you caught up in anything else. What do I mean by this, right? God has planned those good things for you to do long ago. He has planned good things for you in your life. And when you know where you're seated in heaven, oh, my gosh, it it changes it changes your perspective on things, right? God is a firm foundation. No one else can complete you, but God can fill you up. You know what I mean? No one, no one or nothing else can complete you because it's all temporary in the world. Right? Knowing who you are in Christ gives you power when you're going into battles because you know who your Father is, right? Compared to those giants, right? Watch them dry and shrink when you compare them to the power of God, right? Ephesians 1, 4 through 5 says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Do not define yourself with what the world has for you. The world will tell you you're not good enough for that job. The world will tell you you're not a good enough parent. The world will tell you all of these different things, but God says something different. Do not let the world define you. Let what He has said define. Oh, I forgot a point. (laughs) The best thing about this, and this wraps up everything God's thoughts about you do not change. Whatever he has said about you, whatever he has written in the Bible about you, does not change. The world around you will change. The people around you will change. You will change throughout every season that you go through. But what God God says about you does not change. It was such a pleasure speaking to you, church family. Thank you.
2: Jesus, come on. I feel like a proud dad in there. I'm like, wiping tears. I'm like, it doesn't change. So good. So, so good. All right. Last but not least, um, we have uh, someone real special. He's a senior this year. Uh, literally is like a biblical scholar as a senior. Knows more about the Bible than me, probably. Uh, but it's Micah Butler. He's coming up to preach his last words. All right. Good morning, everyone.
3: Awesome. Good morning to you. (laughs) All right. So like Aaron said, my name is Micah and I am a CP youth senior um, and a part of the CP youth team. And welcome to the final part of the student takeover message. Are you guys excited? Let me tell you something. I am super stoked. All right. So like we said, and I hope you guys already picked up on unless you're sleeping the entire time. We are talking about David. He is our legend for the day. And so we can go and look back to David because he understood many key things and attributes that we can apply to ourselves today. And it was because of these things that he was able to find victory in his life and overcome certain giants. And so, just like Jordan just shared and gave a great message on, she talked about the first two stones that make up David's pouch. And I like to finish that off with the final three, starting with my very first one community. See, it may become growingly obvious in the world today, but community is very important and it is very important for the healthy Christian. He needs people around us to support us and to help us destroy the things that we may face in the daily life. It says in Genesis 2.18 that it is not good for man to be alone. And coincidentally enough, this is the only thing that God called not good in the creation story. And it is the very first problem ever recorded in the world, that man was alone. So we can get the sense that this is a pretty big deal, all right? But what are we supposed to do when it seems like our community is the one thing that holds us back? See, when we look at David, he had many different experiences with a whole vast variety of different communities. We find when he arrives at Saul's army, he's immediately met with some strict scrutinization from his own brothers, saying that he had poor intentions of coming. And then he goes to his own king, and his own king, the person he looks up to most, says that he's not good enough. And so what do we find here? We find that David's own family, his own brothers, despised him. And that his own king, the person who's supposed to be appointed by God, the person that he is supposed to look up to most, that he adores most says that he is not good enough, that he isn't worthy. But lucky for David, sometime previously, someone spoke life into him. You see, there was another voice in David's life. And you see, this prophet anointed him, said that he was going to be king. And he anointed him not just a little bit that we might saw, but with a whole horn of oil. You see, this man actually spoke life into David so that when he goes and is pinned up, about these, pinned up by these foul opinions, he recalls the one that he has heard from God. He recalls the person that spoke life into him and actually believed in him. You see, the one voice that called the most out of David is the one who led him to killing Goliath. And David had no control about what was being said about him. He had no control over the thoughts of others about him. He had no control about the rumors that were being spread about him. However, there was one thing he did have control over, and that was his reaction to his surroundings. You see, the truth is, in the end, our response to community can make or break the call of God in our life. How easy would it have been for David to just throw in the towel? Just right then and there, any thought of him actually being able to overcome this giant just utterly destroyed his entire spirit just crushed in that instant because of what others told him, because of what others placed on him, because of the burden that was placed on him. Yet, we find the story of David, of victory, and not defeat. See, so what is the difference between what we read in the Bible and what we see in our daily life? That truth is nothing is different at all. Often we are faced with the same choices just like David was. See, often community is a competing voice in our minds, and it is our opportunity to choose to bind with the one that brings victory and not death. You see, it's possible if it wasn't for Samuel's anointing, David would likely have never killed Goliath. And it isn't for the people in our lives. We likely would never overcome the giants that we face. And so one specific thing that really struck me when I was reading this passage was the uniqueness of the story and its vast detail. See, this is something that is very unusual for this kind of text. But we read 1 Samuel 17 with almost an unbearable amount of detail as it describes this giant that the Israelites are facing off. All the way from how tall he was, how heavy his armor was, all the way to the tip of his spear. it describes how scary this man was. And so you know what this tells me? It tells me that the Israelites studied Goliath. They knew this problem that was in front of them. They knew the giant they were facing. They knew how much debt they were in. They knew this financial problem, whatever it may be, it just applied to your life. They knew what it was in front of them. And they knew they had no escape. Yet we find David. He comes up to the battlefield. He sees this man mocking his God. and he says, "Who is this man?" that defies the army of the living God. Oblivious to what is supposed to be an impossible feat, David has his sights focused on the Lord. He declares, I am going to kill this giant and be crowned king. Why? Because my community anointed and spoke life into me. And I am now equipped to defeat this giant that is ahead. What brings fear to you is going to propel me into my destiny. So my question to you, church, is who is speaking life into you? Who is a Samuel that when they didn't see the talent in you, they called the potential out of you? When we cling to these words, they create godly confidence in us to overcome the challenges that we might face. Because that person that came to mind is the person that we are supposed to surround ourselves with. They are the person that is going to call us higher. They are the person that is going to bring us closer to God when we are struggling. So how are we going to cultivate a Samuel relationship in our life? But you see, this wasn't possible without the Holy Spirit. And this leads me to my second point, or second stone, if you will, the Holy Spirit. And you see, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit, and we're meant to have a deep fellowship with him. But it's easy to think that he's merely a feeling or this tingle I might get in worship, which can be his effects. But in reality, he is much, much greater than that. You see, when Jesus left and he went up to heaven, he said, I am sending another. You can read it in John John 14, 16. And you see, this word for another in Greek is eos. Everyone say eos. 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 See, now this word is important and evenly overlooked. But eos doesn't merely mean another, but another of the same sort. Look at you guys go. You're on it today. All right. (laughs) So if I were... We're at a wedding. I was at one just the other day. And they had this super sick taco stand. And I went up to the taco stand and I'd like it. I said, I'll take one beef taco. And he gave it to me and I munched on that taco and I said, Mmm, this is delicious. So I went up to the man and I said, I'd like another. But instead, for this reference, let's say, I said, ayos. I'd like ayos tacos. He wouldn't give me one instead with chicken this time instead of beef. But exactly one of The same. And it is the exact same that we find with our relationship with the Lord. We are meant to commune with the Father, with the Son, and the Holy Spirit all the same. You see, it is only through him that we might even be able to love God and confess that he is the Lord in the first place. He is the advocate, as it says in John 14, 16. He is the one who comes beside us and intercedes on our behalf. In the same way, 1 Samuel chapter 16, 13 says in reference to David's anointing that the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. See, it was only through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that David ever was able to kill Goliath. In the New Testament, we find just the same thing. It was only after the Holy Spirit fell on disciples in the upper room that they began their ministry. Before they were afraid, they were cowering that they might die in this upper room all alone. After they crafted a hole. New Testament of believers. They found new life. And same for Jesus. His ministry began once he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, came upon him as a dove. And so the point that is to be made here is that once we acknowledge and respond to the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to change, receive victory, and revival in our life and the lives around us. So in what way have we cultivated a relationship where we acknowledge and obey the words of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives? Because the same Holy Spirit that lived in David, that lived with the disciples, and that walked with Jesus is the one that lives in us today. See, the Holy Spirit isn't merely reserved for those who are overly spiritual. It's easy to say that we have never received the Holy Spirit merely because we haven't had some crazy encounter or because we haven't spoken in tongues or anything like that. But in reality, if you're a believer in Christ, you have that same access that anyone else would. You see, there is no biblical record that David spoke in tongues, yet we see when we look back into the scriptures that he had even more godly confidence than most of us do when we have 24-7 access to him. So just imagine what we can do with that. And so my question for you today is, what in your life would change if you began to walk with the Holy Spirit? Crafting a relationship where you listen and obey, what he says. And so this final stone I'd like to talk to you all about is relationship, and specifically David's relationship with God. You see, he is more famous about killing Goliath than he is about having an actual relationship with the Lord. He was very close in communion with the Father. And it says in 1 Samuel 16-18, when in reference to David once again, that he was a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence and the Lord was with him. I'd specifically like to key on on that final part where it says that the Lord was with him because we see that it lists all these powerful things and ends with the most powerful and important of all, that David was a man and a man anointed by God. You see, back in this time, lists were very important and very symbolic for the Hebrew people. So when I read this, it isn't merely saying and stating all these reasons why David was great. But it's saying despite all these things, being a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. It doesn't compare to the fact that the Lord of Lords and King of Kings was on David's side. Amen. But this didn't happen mere coincidentally because he was more special than you or I. It was because of his unfiltered relationship that he had with God. And that led him, that led God being able to be genuine back with him. It led them then being able to craft a real relationship. So let's make sure that we are not too occupied, reaching to become the person that we wish to be, that we miss the fact that it's worthless if it isn't backed up by God. You see, David was authentic with the Lord. You see, when David came to God, he didn't proceed to where a mask or hide what he truly may have thought or felt, but instead was genuine with his expression. You see, in the same way, God knows who we are. He knows who he created us to be. So when we come to him outside of this idea, it ruins any sort of relationship that we might have. It breaks his heart because he knew he knows who he calls us to be in the first place. And so we read things like Psalms 51, where David cries out to the Lord in repentance because he understands in order for him to get closer in relationship with God, he has to be real with him. He sees his sin in the gap it created between him and God, but without shying away, he literally cries out to the Lord without fear of what others might think, without fear of his own kingship. All David had was his broken heart, and he brought it without hesitation to the Lord. But the truth is we read stories of David being humble, worshiping with his lyre to him, dancing in the streets. And we read stories of men with great faith and all we do is get inspired. And so we tell ourselves, yes, I want a relationship just like this, give me Jesus. But when the altar call comes, we feel good, we feel close. But then we get back in our cars, we begin to drive away and it's like the farther we get from the church, the farther we get from God. And the truth is, for many of us, we've probably been sitting here thinking about what we want to do after this more than we have even been talking to God this entire service. When in reality, we just sing a song. I know I heard some of you guys. Y'all were singing it out, it was beautiful, right? We just sang, give me Jesus, all I want is you. You are my one thing. But how many times do we say that with other things? How many times do we go home and we say, this is my one thing, Jesus? But first, let me check my emails. I know my Instagram's popping right now, all right? I know, Jesus, oh, thank you for waking me up this morning. Oh, but Billy texted me. I gotta respond to him. We must place him back to be the priority in our lives. You see, a deep relationship with God is built on steps taken in faith because the problem isn't that God is too far, but that we won't take the time to get close. He is only as close as our next prayer. You see, David wrote 73 of the Psalms. And this may seem to be very insignificant, but he didn't know that I was going to be up here on a platform today talking to you guys. He did not know that I was going to be quoting them for you and gaining some wisdom. He simply prayed and worshiped to the Lord. All he wanted was to get closer to his creator. At all costs, by any means, he said, I Wants you and this is the same mentality that many of us need to get back to when we say I want Jesus and only Jesus but we don't merely say it we actually believe it because you don't need to say it to people you can live it out people should see that by your actions on the daily but it's too easy to get caught up by the cares of the world to place things above God on our priority list but you see now we have a unique opportunity to come back to him John 17, three says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. If we truly wish to have a real relationship with Christ, it takes putting in the effort. It isn't really just a prayer, but a beginning to a whole new life. Notice that this verse doesn't say to meet the only true God or to have an interaction with him, but it says to know him. In order to know someone, it takes continuous effort. It takes time just like it would with your friend, like it would with your spouse. It is just the same. So you must daily find that time to get closer, to build a bond not merely addressing him, but to have lasting connection. See, now is the time to remove the mass that holds back from an unconditional relationship. Now is the time that we have an opportunity to begin an authentic relationship with God and accept him as our savior. And so this is something that seems interesting to you. I'd like to extend it in invitation to you. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging your heart, if you feel like I have been this person that's been distant, I have been that Sunday service going Christian where I only see him when I need him, I don't actually love God. I like the idea of him. I like what he can do for me. I'd like to invite you to raise your hand and we can pray for you. So Heavenly Father, now in this moment, we come to you in a spirit of repentance. Jesus, we acknowledge the ways that we have fled from you. Jesus, we want you. You are our one We can't go through life without you. We need you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We accept you as our Savior. We accept you as our true Father. And we begin a new life with you, a life of relationship and joy. Amen.